Last week we talked about uh, the importance of the Bible, the truth of the Bible, how the Bible's been tried, tested, and it, it has stood up to the test of time. And because of those things, that Bible can certainly be trusted. Um, and it's because of that book, it's because of the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, that, you know what, I know about my, my enemy, the devil. Amen? Uh, I know, I know that the Bible says this. Uh, it says in 2 Corinthians, it says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And we are not ignorant of his devices. Uh, we know we know the, the, uh, the, the devil is a roaring lion, seeking, uh, walking about seeking whom he may devour. We'll get to that passage of scripture here in a minute. But I know a few things about him uh, because of this book. And I, I went in and I just kind of looked on, um, I, I looked at a few, uh, a few phrases and a few things that the devil was. And I kind of categorized them and just threw them into some, some categories of things that you and I have to watch out for. But we know about lions. We know what they're like. We know that they are the king of the jungle, right? And they obviously earn that title for a reason. They are some of the most dangerous predators on the planet. Uh, for the most part, uh, humans have lost their respect for lions. And I thought... Well, that's kind of an interesting take on things. I was reading an article about it, and uh, because of our, you know, technology, and uh, because there's fewer lions in the, in the world, a lot of us don't really have a great appreciation for just how terrifying a lion really is. If you lived in, if you lived in the bush, if you lived in the jungle, if you lived out, you know, where the lions roam, then, and, and you were in your tent, a soft-sided tent at night, and they say, people that know lions, they say, you never get used to it. If you're lying in there at night and that lion begins to roar in the middle of the night, they say, I don't care how many times you've heard it, it still sends shivers through your spine. <laughs> and the reality is, folks, uh, a lot of us have, you know, we've never experienced that. The closest that I remember ever coming to that type of an experience was, I remember we were at the, the Boston Baltimore, Baltimore. We were at the Baltimore Zoo with the kids one time. I'd gone out to Baltimore for a class uh, when I was working for the FAA, and we went to the zoo for something to do on the weekend, and we were walking by, and there was a big, a big Bengal tiger. I mean, huge. And, we, you know, oh, cute tiger. That's, oh, nice, nice kitty, nice kitty, and you're walking by. And that thing, about the time we walked, right as we walked by it, and just about the time we kind of had our backs to it, that thing let out a roar, and I mean, literally, your bones just kind of vibrated inside of you. It's like, whoa, <laughs> that's a kitty. Right? I'm typically not a cat person. I'm sorry for those of you that are. I'm a dog person. But if I had to have a cat... I know where I'd be looking. Uh, they say lions weigh, you know, somewhere to the three to five hundred pound, uh, even even larger range. They're uh, about five to eight feet in length. <laughs> That's pretty huge. They can run about thirty-five miles an hour. Go ahead, try to out sprint one. <laughs> right? They stay in uh, they stay in the pride with uh, you know for because their safety in numbers. Their claws are incredibly effective. Just the, just the force behind their paw strike is enough <laughs> to take you or me out of a fight. Um, 
they are they have great endurance and speed as a predator they uh, <clears throat> I know that lion attacks are not you know are not very common nowadays um, but they're not uncommon when you live in a place where there are still lions left there's a you know a couple people each year typically killed by, killed by lions one of the the deadliest, deadliest lion attacks uh, in history was back in history a, a little while back but uh, there was about 1500 people that were killed um, in a, in Najombi in what's now Taz, uh, Tanzania of course that didn't occur all at once but it occurred over a period of about 15 years but if you think about that that's a hundred lion deaths per year so about one every three days uh, during that time they said there was about three generations of lions that were born and those gen and and they began hunting human beings and the parents began to teach their cubs how to hunt human beings and and the cubs then grew up learning how to hunt human beings and this is why it was such a a major problem for such a long time and so the you know the cubs the younger the younger ones copied the older ones as mistake well if for, i guess for them it wasn't a mistake <laughs> For us it was, but they learned, they learned from their, their elders. Um, when they finally got around to, you know, to um, hiring some hunters to take out that group of lions, there was about, there was about 15 lions that they identified uh, at the time when they decided to exterminate them. Um, but they, they began to stop hunting cattle because it was much easier to hunt humans. That's a scary thought. Um, there was another, um, you know, another deadly attack against humans that happened in, in Kenya. It was back in 1898. There was two man-eating males that were roaming around. They began picking off people just, you know, every so often. They say between 30 and 100 people. They say really the number's probably closer to that 100 mark um, had been killed by the time they, they got rid of those, those two lions. Um, they would, they would prowl, you know, the work sites and just look for people and then just begin to pick them off. They'd drag them off, drag them away and, and eat them. Lions. <laughs> it was a, uh, uh, there was an 11-year-old 11 11 -year boy. He had, he had gone out with uh, three of his brothers. And um, unbeknownst to him, there was uh, several lionesses that were stalking him. And this 11-year-old boy um, was standing there watching as three of his brothers got attacked by lions. And he got scared, obviously, turned around, ran. He climbed up in this, this tree that's kind of got a lot of, you know, stickers on it and, uh, in the area that he was at. And, and he just he stayed up there in that tree. And he had to sit up there in that tree as those lions killed his brothers. lions he said this he said it was all bones that I saw when I scaled down and ran away can you imagine seeing somebody devoured by a lion turning Bibles if you will to first Peter chapter 5 first Peter chapter 5 again very familiar passage of scripture 
but one that we need to be reminded of on a regular basis. 1 Peter chapter 5, take a look at verse 5. It says, uh, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And then it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again for uh, this Bible. Uh, we thank you, Father, for uh, the fact that you came down on the cross, died for our sins. Lord, you did that so that we could escape um, spending an eternity in hell with the devil. And for that, we are so grateful. You're, you're a great Savior. You're a great God. And Father, we love you. But Father, help us this morning just to take a little bit of time and just to refresh our memory and remind ourselves what, a, what an adversary we have. Uh, help us, Father, to maybe pay more attention to uh, the methods that he uses to try to get to us. Help us, Father, to be more, uh, I guess, combative, more defensive, a little more aware of his tactics so that we might be able to stand uh, in the evil day. We love you and just pray that you'd help your people here this morning. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I uh, titled this, uh, this message this morning very simply, uh, Devoured by the Devil. It is pretty common the way the devil goes about to try to attack you and I. He uses some pretty standard techniques. He's used them uh, over the last 6,000 years against men. And why change? They work so well, right? But he will try to devour you one way or another. He will... Uh, he will try to come at you in, in several, by several different methods, and we'll talk about a couple of those this morning. Uh, and and I, just take, I took a look through the Bible and looked uh, of some characteristics of the devil. Just some characteristics of the devil, and, and that's kind of how, what I put together in this, and I just divided them up into a couple of categories. And the first thing, ladies and gentlemen, that you and I need to know is the devil, the devil is going to try to devour you, uh, first of all, through uh, appeal. It says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. All right, so there is generally, uh, a temptation has some sort of an appeal that goes along with it. There is something that is uh, alluring. The, you know, the devil looks at the Lord Jesus Christ, and of course Jesus Christ has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and, and he hasn't eaten anything, he hasn't drunk anything, and, and the devil pops up and says, Hey, are you hungry? Well, of course he is, right? First thing you ought to know about, uh, about the devil is he's going to come at you and he's going to he's gonna try to throw something in your face that is appealing. I mean, when you look at this picture of the lion, you know, you know what you think? You think, oh, that's cute. <laughs> oh, you know, how, I mean, how terrifying can, can something that, you know, that... Um, um, Cute and attractive bee. There's what Sean was talking about earlier, right? Uh, he'll, he'll cast something. The devil, ladies and gentlemen, and you know this, these are just basic principles, but the devil will cast something in front of your eyes, something that gains your attention, right? Uh, ladies, the, the devil will, will throw something out there to woo your heart with something that what? 
gains your attention, gains your heart. Gentlemen, that's why you have to be careful with things like the internet, social media, your phone, all right? Those are problem areas. Why? Because it's very easy to throw something out there that becomes very appealing. And that's one of the methods the devil uses to try to get at you. He's not going to throw something out there that you don't like. He's going to throw something out there that is appealing, that looks good, that sounds good, that, you know, that, um, um, that, that is going to capture your attention right away. And he's hoping that you'll fall for that. And gentlemen, it's, it's just, it's, a, it's one of the things that, that you're going to struggle with from the time you get old enough to worry about it until the time you die, more than likely. You're just going to have to get, re- get used to battling that battle. Uh, and it's not just what you think. It could be other things as well. But ladies, you have to worry about that as well. Ladies, you have to worry about the appeal of certain things that come across the internet on social media. How do I look? I'm not even going to try to strike a pose. Because I know Mary would get it in the video, and it would wind up in the blooper reel next year. (laughs) Hi, Mary. (laughs) But social media will get to you because you become, uh, you know, consumed and worried with other people's opinions of what they think about you. And and guys fall into that to a certain degree as well. But it it affects, ladies, that affects you. That's where it gets you. Or, or you want to be like somebody that you see on there and, and it's, uh, you, know, you see something that you think is attractive and all of a sudden it's, it's appealing and then you want to be that way. If you only knew the story behind it, you'd, you'd think differently. So, so they, the devil attempts to get to you by something that, that appeals to you uh, through you know, beauty, looks, uh, style, uh, the perfect man, what, what he should be. Uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's not one out there, <laughs> right? But, but, the, but the, the devil will try to get to you through your heart, just like you'll try to get to the man through his eyes. Listen, the devil tries to get to you, uh, and he will, he will appeal to you based upon your desires. What things do you care about? What things do you desire? Uh, he'll try to get, uh, appeal to your dreams, you're, you're, he'll try to appeal to your dark side. He'll try to appeal to things in life that, that are just distractions, right? That is not to say that, that your desires and dreams and distractions, notice I left off the dark side in this statement. <laughs> That's not to say that your desires or dreams or distraction are necessarily sinful. They may not be, right? But they can sure cause you to ignore certain other people because they're not necessarily like you. If you're a big car buff, for example... Sometimes that could be a that could be your desire. That could be what you know what flips your switch. That's that could be what's important to you. Maybe um, maybe it's uh, sports, right? Maybe sports is a thing that that you know you concentrate on and, and you focus on and 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 you you get to the place because that thing is is such a it has such an appeal to you that you only begin to be interested in people who are interested in sports, right? Maybe, hey, um, maybe it's, uh, you're an artist of some type, and, and that world appeals to you, and I, I can draw a stick man, as long as I don't have to draw fingers and toes. <laughs> that's, be, that's beyond my ability. But maybe you're an artist, and that thing appeals to you, a lot of different things. Maybe it's painting, maybe it's music, maybe it's, you know, uh, 
whatever it is, maybe it's pottery. And if you're not careful, that, that appeals to you and the devil will try to get to that, try to use that in your life in such a way that before too awful long, all you hang around with, all you fellowship with, all you deal with is artists, other artists. Well, there's a whole lot of people out there like me who may miss your fellowship, right? Um, you know, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're an intellectual and maybe the Lord did give you, a, you know, uh, an extraordinary brain and the capacity to absorb knowledge and retain knowledge and, and, and remember things. And I envy you if that's the case. And I know I'm not supposed to, but that's, that, I would love to have that. But maybe the Lord gave you a, a great intellect. Well, praise the Lord for that. Right? But it's how you handle it. Can the devil use, can the devil use that to get to you because maybe you neglect people who don't have a great intellect? Right? Uh, again, we're just talking about ways that the devil, the devil can get at you, the way the devil goes about trying to devour you. And it's things sometimes that we don't think about, but the devil will, will try to get us, uh, you know, he'll appeal to our desires, our dreams. Yes, our dark side, we know enough about that. We talk about that all the time. Um, uh, distractions, maybe that's just, uh, maybe that's hobbies. Right? Uh, listen, the devil appeals to ministers about their ministry <laughs> he does the same thing to us he does to everybody else we're, we're no different we're i told somebody the other day we're just men just like you in fact met with a group of men down at park ridge and i i happen to make make that statement um we are you know a, a preacher a missionary an evangelist you know what just a man just like you and their wives or ladies just like you there's no different the point is the devil takes what we like and he looks for a way to use it against us, to derail us, to divert us, or to destroy us, ultimately, is what he's trying to do. And we've got to be careful of that. We've got to be aware of that. And we have to be aware of, you know, uh, of the things that, that we desire. And like I said, they don't have to be sinful things. They can be normal things. For example, I love scuba diving. How many of you out here are not just scuba divers, but avid scuba divers? What? Nobody? Well then, I don't have anything to talk to you about. <laughs> Might as well just go home. You see, you see, I could get so wrapped up in, in, in that, you know, that thing that, that appeals to me, right? Uh, it, it, and it could be a distraction to the point that if all I hung out with was scuba divers, because that's what I like to do, I wouldn't be able to be with you guys. So again, the devil looks for those, you know, those niches in our armor and, and he, he, tries to, he tries to exploit them and it might be something from the dark side and a lot of times it is and a lot of times you have to be careful with that and fight that day in, day out, but, but don't get so wrapped up in fight, well, I mean, fight it all you can, don't get so wrapped up in fighting that that you forget he's also going to attack you in things that aren't necessarily sin, Maybe it's just, I just don't have time. Right? And, and the devil will use that against us. Why? Because he's just, he's throwing something in front of you that appeals to you, that will capture your attention. Why? Because his ultimate, his ultimate goal is to devour you. We got we to gotta remember that. Uh, don't, ever, don't ever forget that, you know, as nice and, and cute sometimes as lions are, Right? I mean, who can look at that and, and find anything that's 
dangerous looking about that. I mean, I'm not a cat person and I think they're cute. <laughs> but don't ever forget what's really behind it. <laughs> right? The devil's going to try to get to you by something that appeals to you. I'll tell you another thing he's going to try to do. He's going to try to get to you um, by trapping you. It says in 1 Timothy 3, 7, it says, Moreover, he must have a, a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. There's another one of the things of the devil that he uses. It says in Ephesians, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That ye may be able to, uh, to stand against the wiles of the devil. Right? He's going to try to entrap you. That's uh, to entangle you or uh, uh, to beguile you. And, and that is, you know, uh, to beguile is... is is a trick, right? The wiles of the devil is to deceive you, to beguile you, is to trick you. Uh, he is going to try to entangle you, that is, snare you. He, you know, you think of a, a snare for a, a rabbit trap, and you entangle the rabbit. And, and that's what the devil is trying to do to you and I uh, every single day. If, if he can get to us by something that is appealing, that's much easier. <laughs> but if he can't get to you that way, he's going to try to set up some sort of a trap, uh, some sort of a, you know, through trickery, through deceit, through, uh, through a snare. And, and you get trapped, ladies and gentlemen, quite frankly, you get trapped when you get isolated. The devil is going to try to work circumstances and things around in life, and he's going to try to get you to a place where you wind up, for whatever reason, and maybe you think it's justifiable, off on your own. And that's when he's going to go in for the kill. You may be able to avoid him for a little while. You may be able to run. You may be able to hide. But listen, he's on your trail, and a lot of times there's more than one. And, and, and the whole process of getting, getting yourself uh, isolated is, is, a dangerous, is a dangerous prospect for a Christian. It's probably one of the biggest dangers that Christians have to worry about. Right? Um, you begin to... Uh, you know, something happens and you begin to feel upset or hurt, um, you know, you, and so you take off and you just, well, I'm just not going to hang around them anymore. I'm just not going to go to church because they're all hypocrites. Who hasn't heard that line? Right? You begin to think, ladies and gentlemen, the, the devil is, is slick. If he can't get you through appeal, he'll get you, he'll get you, he'll trap you. He'll, he'll, you know, arrange your life in such a way that you think you don't fit. Well, how many of us really do fit? <laughs> We're all a little, you know, strange in our own way. <laughs> all right, right? And, and I can say that looking in the mirror just as easy as I can say it looking at you. Well, maybe it's easier when I'm looking at you. <laughs> But we're all strange in our own little way. We've all got our own little quirks about us and, and, and that. And what the devil will do is he'll exploit that and he'll use that. And he'll, he'll get you to the place where because of that, you'll, you'll begin to think that, hey, I don't fit. I don't, I don't get along with them. I'm not, I'm not a part of them. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, of that group. And, and a lot of times what that is is that's the devil just trying to get to you. Why? Because he wants to get you isolated. And sometimes we have our eyes on, on, you know, somebody else, but the real problem is the devil's trying to get us isolated so that he can pick us off. And, and you got to watch for that as a Christian. Amen. Right? Um, you know, 
in the war of uh, in the war of 1812, <clears throat> you had a lot of different things going on. You had the uh, um, Napoleonic Wars going on over in, in Europe, and of course, Great Britain and France were kind of you know battling back and forth, and they had this war going on, and um, <clears throat> and in the over the the course of of those wars. The United States actually wanted to stay out of the wars. We really weren't interested in getting involved in, in another war like that. But what began to happen is, uh, you know, the British were looking at the Americans, and the Americans were trying to trade with the French. Well, that's not good. We've got to stop the, the Americans from trading with the French. So they send out ships. They begin to blockade our ports. The French are looking at the Americans, and the Americans are trying to trade with the British. Well, that's not good. So the French begin to try to block us on the high seas. Everybody's blocking our Navy on the high seas. We, now, now, we're kind of isolated now. And then, of course, the, you know, the, the, the British began you know, boarding our ships and capturing sailors and forcing them to, uh, to become sailors in their Navy. And you know, that was the early version of the draft, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but, but you had all that going on, and, and the British ships, like I said, not only were they harassing French, but they were harassing us. And here we were, and what, what, where was the United States? We wound up trapped. The, the devil likes to do that in your life. He likes to take maybe two completely different opposing forces. Somehow or another, you get caught up in the middle, and now you get sucked into this war, this fight, this battle, and you really didn't want to be in it in the first place. But that's how the devil operates. You'll find yourself in the midst of, you know, you'll find yourself in the midst of, uh, of trials and situations going on in life, and you'll try to figure out what's going on, and, and you'll get frustrated with it, and your, your natural inclination, like I said, is, for, I'm so tired of this, and you'll just want to back out and just isolate yourself. Well, that's what he was trying to do all along. The worst thing you can do as a Christian is not be around other Christians, regardless of their imperfections. Regardless of their quirks, regardless of whether they, they think like you, act like you, talk like you, regardless of whether they look like you, it doesn't really matter. The worst thing you can do is to break, is to pull yourself away from other Christians. Why? Because that's just, that's just, I mean, that's low-hanging fruit for the devil. So yes, it is good to come to church. Yes, it is good to, to get together with one another outside church. I, I, I hope that, that you do that. I hope... Uh, let me ask you this. When was the last time you got together with somebody else in this church for fellowship outside of a normal service? That's not your immediate family. <laughs> right? That, brethren, we need that. that. That should be kind of a regular, that should be a regular occurrence. You need that. I need that. Everybody needs that. And yes, no one person can get to everybody. But if everybody gets to somebody... You know what? We'll do pretty well. Why? Because I know how the devil operates, and I know what he tries to do, and he tries to trap us, and he tries to trap us into this, this place of isolation where he can then begin to pick us off. And, and that's, what, that's what happens over the course of life. Listen, when it, uh, when it comes to fighting the devil, when it comes to the fighting the devil... Too many times I've seen Christians lose. It's a sad thing. It's, it's a heartbreaking thing when you see a Christian that, that gets caught. And, and for whatever reason, right, through, 
whether they were trapped because of somebody else's fighting or whether it was their own fault, doesn't really matter. When a Christian loses, we all lose. When one part of the body gets hurt, the whole body gets hurt. If you don't think that's true, walk to the bathroom in the middle of the night in the dark and smack a dresser with your little toe really hard and your whole body will hurt. you got to be careful, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, you have to be careful, and, and we're talking about the devil here, and I'm going to bring this into it. You have to be careful when you're reading books or watching YouTube or listening, quite frankly, to a lot of preachers that you'll get on the Internet. You've got to be very careful when it, becomes, when it comes down to this subject of, of, of the devil. Because you'll hear a lot of preachers get up and talk big and bold and bad about fighting the devil. And again... There's an element to that that I understand and, and certainly encourage. Some people will get up there and tell you, well, you can get up and stand toe-to-toe -to -toe and fight the devil. Not in your own power, they will qualify it. But because you have Christ as your Savior, and Christ has therefore given you the authority, and that therefore you can conquer the devil because you have the not Not you personally, I know that doctrinally, but because I have Christ in me, well, I can conquer the devil. I get a little worried when I start hearing things like that. Kenneth Copeland said this. He said the devil wasn't a lion. He was nothing more than a great big pussycat. He said, he said this basically in, in so many words. He said if, if he walked in the door, he would grab him by the tail and tie a knot in it. Now that makes, honestly, that makes for some fun preaching. Right? Everybody's out for, you know, Conquering the devil. Yay! Let's, let's, you know, I mean, it would make for some great, and it would be a fun service to be in, and you can really get people riled up and motivated, and if you were a motivational, you know, that's what you, that's what you do for the opposing football team. Right? That's, that's what you do for the opposing football team. I, I won't go there. <laughs> okay. Yes, I will. I distinctly remember. I distinctly remember this conversation in the locker room uh, with, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was wrestling. We had a pretty decent wrestling team. I distinctly remember this, uh, you know, this conversation in the locker room. And, and the conversation was, was boiled down to this. They put their athletic supporters on just like you do. Right? It's a motivating thing. Well, they're, they're no, why do I have to be scared of them? They're just like me. So our whole team, for the rest of the year, we put them on inside out. So they couldn't say that about us. <laughs> I told you I shouldn't have went there. <laughs> so it makes for some great preaching. But, but I tell you what it does, it plays into your pride. You're, you're a Christian, and you definitely have the Lord Jesus Christ in you. I know most of you here this morning are saved, and again, if you're not, you need to be. But, but um, take, a look at, uh, take a look at Zechariah chapter 3, if you will. Zechariah chapter 3. In the Old Testament, ladies and gentlemen, you know what we're going to see? We're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord, dealing with Satan. Zechariah chapter 3. This is a, kind of a Bible drill. I just want to see if you have your Bibles. <laughs> I hope you do. Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3. I'm giving you a, a second. It's towards the end of your Old Testament. 
Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, right? Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. And he showed me uh, Joshua, the high priest, standing before the, before the angel of the Lord. Now, we know who that is. That is the Lord Jesus Christ pre-incarnate in the Old Testament. He shows up in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. And we see that over and over and over. That was the angel that showed up to Abraham. And, you know, it was the Lord. And all those guys, when they, you know, when they saw the angel of the Lord, what did they say? They said, oh, I'm going to die because I've seen God face to face, right? That was a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's referred to, um, um, in, in, or it's called, or you see it titled as the angel of the Lord. So he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the Lord, that is the angel of the Lord, said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke thee. Folks, the, the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, one part of the Trinity, when he was standing there next to, the, to uh, Satan, and Satan was be, began to interface with him, even the Lord Jesus Christ didn't take him on directly. He referred him to the Father. Right? The Lord said, the Lord rebuke thee. One part of the Trinity turned him over to another part of the Trinity. You see the same thing happening with... Uh, you know, with Michael the archangel, it wasn't the angel of the Lord, it was the archangel, which is the ark, the head, the top angel, the most powerful angel out there. In Jude, he disputed about the body of Moses, right? Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said what? The Lord rebuked thee. Michael the archangel turned the, when the devil, when the devil was, wanted to contend with Michael, the, the most powerful, as far as we know, the most powerful angel out there, the most powerful angel looked and said, uh, it's above my pay grade. Uh, I'm going to turn you over to God because uh, you're out of my league. So when you hear a preacher say that you have authority over the devil because you're now saved, mm, I would be careful with that. I, 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 Michael doesn't have that kind of power. Do you really, if the Lord didn't give that kind of power to Michael, do you really think he's going to give it to you, knowing all the things you've done? I know that in Jesus Christ, you have a certain amount of protection and power. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. I'm not, I am not, um, you know, uh, not bringing that into question at all. But, but let me ask you this. If, if some of those people on the, the internet or some of those, you know, charismatic leaning or charismatic, full charismatic preachers who, who preach this stuff and preach it that way, if that's true, if, if we have that kind of power over the devil like they are trying to portray it, let me ask you one simple question. How come for the last 2,000 years, not one... Christian has stood up to devil and bound him so that he wouldn't mess with the rest of us. You mean to tell me there's not one of them out there that claim to have this power that thought, hey, you know what? I've got power over Satan. I will bind Satan so that he doesn't mess with all my friends or my grandkids. They didn't do that, did they? Why? Because regardless of what they said, they can't do that. It would be nice if they could, 
please take him out of here so I don't have to deal with him all the time. I got enough problem dealing with me. That's probably more often what I deal with than anything else. How come those that claim to have power over the devil like that don't stop him so that all of us who are weak will have an easier time of it? You know, when, when people say things, you've got to think about what they say. Makes for some great preaching. It is motivating. I just don't see it working on a practical basis. Now listen, I understand this. The devil does not have control over me like he does a lost person. I'm not arguing that. I have things within me that, that obviously make me eternally secure. Praise the Lord. I have things, I have the Lord Jesus Christ in me, and that affords me a certain level of protection and a certain, you know, a, a certain place because I'm the Lord's child now, not the devil's child. And, and I am all for all of that, and I agree with all of that, and that is great. Uh, I know James says, submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I, I believe that 100%. I think if you resist, I think the Lord looks down at the devil and says, hey, buddy, leave him alone. Right? I think that's a great thing. But think of Job. Job was resisting. He was a righteous man. And the Lord looked over the devil and said, okay, just a little bit. And Job didn't have the power to stop it. And he was more righteous than any of us, right? So when it comes to that sort of thing, listen, I sit back and I look at it and I say, listen, I know the Lord's given me the, the armor of God. We talked about that, was it last week, a couple weeks ago, or kind of tied in with last week, but um, the Lord's given me the armor of God and I know I can put it on and I know that it, it helps me stand against the wiles of the devil. I believe that 100%. And if, I, if I'm not in my Bible, if I'm not praying, if I'm not stri striving to do right, then, then yeah, my armor gets weak and I'm more susceptible. And I know there's that part of it on a practical level gets put on my shoulders as a Christian. True. But to think that I have by proxy, because I'm a Christian, the power to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil and, and bind him? Okay, would somebody please bind him then if you got that power? Hey, I'm just weak, I don't have it. But if you've got it, go ahead, would you just bind him for the rest of us so that we don't have to worry about it anymore? But they can't. Why? Because we forget just how powerful and just how terrifying that lion really is. Why? Because we don't live around lions all the time. Well, let me rephrase that. We don't see lions all the time. I know the devil's around all the time in a spiritual sense. But on a practical sense, you and I aren't really afraid of a lion getting us when we go home this afternoon. There are some people this afternoon, they're worried about a lion getting them. I would just, I would caution about being getting too proud about the spiritual things. Absolutely. Stand in what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. By all means, you should. It, it, it is the support that holds you up. It is what gives you the strength. It is, what, it, it, is, it is everything that we are is because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. That is true. But don't ever forget how powerful your adversary is and don't think for a second you're a match for him. Because if the Lord takes back his hand, you're a goner.
even if you're saved. I'm going to have to hurry. The, another thing that the Lord, that the devil, excuse me, the devil will try to do is the devil will try to overwhelm you. It says in Acts 10.38, how, um, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were what? Oppressed of the devil. All that were oppressed of the devil. That is this. Um, oops. That is, the devil, the devil wants to, you know, the devil wants to, to overwhelm you. And the devil, uh, to, to, be a, to be oppressed is to be burdened with unreasonable impositions. It's, it's weighed down. It is, it's more than you can handle. It's overpowered. Uh, another, another definition of it is, is depressed, right? You're, you're pressed down with that weight. In other words, he just tries to pile on. All of them come out to get you. And the devil just piles more and more and more on you. And he's, he's attacking from every side. And, and the devil will, you know, one of the tactics that he uses to, to get you away from God and to get you to fall and is, is to just throw so much at you that you can't handle it all. You get enough lions after, you know, after an animal. And it, it, at some point in time, any animal is going to wind up falling. Right? You know, we, we, uh, uh, in the War of 1812, there was a, a general, an American general named General Hall. And um, we had some, some battles, obviously, going on with the British. And there was that whole battle going on. And the Brits were up in Canada. And, you know, there was a, a, a thought process that we should march north to Montreal and, and you know, fight the Brits up there. And General Hall, who had been a Revolutionary War general and a, a successful Revolutionary War general, he had, he had had a military background and had had some success, success in the military. And, and what he did was he went to uh, President Madison at the time and he said, hey, listen, I've got, I, I've got a better plan. Why don't, we, why don't I take my, my army and instead of marching up north to Montreal, why don't I come at it uh, circle around and come at them from the west. I'm going to head over to Detroit, head up into Canada, and I'll attack in from the west. And they bought off on that plan, and so uh, General, General Hall took his army, uh, and he headed over, and he wound up in Detroit, and he went up into Canada, and then he began running across uh, uh, another general, General Brock from, from Great Britain. And for whatever reason, General Hall, the American general, began to lose courage. And began to get worried. And what he wound up doing is he wound up retreating and coming back to the fort in Detroit. And he, and he held up the, in Detroit. And you know what happened to him when, when he was in that fort and his army, and he had about 2,500 men. It was comprised of regular, you know, uh, regular uh, soldiers, some militia that he had gathered, and some Indians that were, were on our side. And then there was General Brock in, on the British side. He only had about 1,300 men. And very few of them are regular soldiers. But, but General Hall didn't know that. And, and what we talked about a couple weeks ago kind of happened in reverse. Uh, General Hall lost courage. And he got, you know, after, after having a lot of victories, he was a grandfather by then. His two grandkids were with him. I don't know if that had any impact in it. But, but he decided to, to hold up in the, the fort in Detroit. And, 
and uh, General Brock began to, to, you know, to march his men in front of him and the cannons and then circle them around and continue the, you know, the, the whole thing that, that happened down, you know, down south. And, they, and he, did that with, he did that with the cannon. He did that with troops. They would march in front of him so that General Hall would see the troops. And as soon as they got out of sight, they would run back around and then march in front of, in front of them again. They would do the same thing in, in the food lines. They would be serving food, and they, they would have somebody get a plate of food and then take off and run around and come back and go through the food line again. And, and General Hall is sitting in this, in this uh, fort, and he's outnumbering the British Army, 2,500 to about 1,300, and he thinks he's outnumbered, and they begin firing, and he winds up just surrendering. <laughs> Why? Because he thought he was overwhelmed. He thought it was too much for him to handle. In reality, it wasn't as much as he thought. Now, I'm not saying there wasn't a formidable adversary out there. It was a real army he was facing, and they were shooting real cannons and real bullets. It was, again, it was pretty overwhelming, but the appearance was not as it seemed. And, some, and the devil likes to use that tactic against us. We look at things, and we think they're much worse than what they really are. It's, it's not that they're not bad, because they are. But the Lord's given you the strength, and he'll, he promised you he would stand by you, and he's promised you he would not give you more than you can handle. And, and, and you know what? It, the devil likes to get you in that situation and make you feel overwhelmed. Why? It's one of his tactics. He wants to get you so burdened down, so feeling so overpowered and so depressed that, that he, can, he can attack you and he can take you down at his will. Same tactic. We use it against the Brits. They use it against us. And you know, the, I don't know if you want to say the funny part about it, the, the scary part about it is it worked both times. It worked both times. General Brock sent a message to General Hall that, um, that said this, the force at my disposal authorizes me to require of you uh, the immediate surrender of Fort Detroit. It is far from my attention to join uh, in a war of extermination, but you must be aware that the numerous body of Indians who have attack, attached themselves to my troops uh, will be beyond control the moment the contest commences. And he gave up. The devil would love to get you a place where you're overwhelmed and you just give up. Even though you know, theoretically, we're on the winning side. Sometimes it's hard to see when you're at this little a fort out in the middle of nowhere in Detroit looking at a bunch of soldiers and Indians getting ready to attack you. Why does the devil go at you that way? Well, because ultimately he wants to control you. If you remember the story um, in Luke, he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for oftentimes it had caught him and he was kept bound with chains and fetters and he break the bands. And then it says this. And he was driven 
of the devil into the wilderness. The, the devil would love to overwhelm you. He would love to trap you. All of those things. Why? Because he wants to control you. If he can control you, he will take you and he will drive you wherever he wants. That's what, that's what the evil spirit, the unclean spirit did with this man. The, un, the unclean spirit, with, they tried to bind him up. They tried to hold him and he would break free. And then the devil, what? Drove him to where he wanted him to go. He was in control of him. That is what the devil would like to do to you and I as, as Christians. He wants you and I to be in a place where we are defenseless. And he can just drag us around wherever he wants to take us. Right? That's his tactic. That's what he's, that's what he's after. It says in... Um, it says in Second uh, Timothy, it says, and, they, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil Amen. who are taken captive by him at his will. Right? Listen, the Lord's given us the armor of God. The Lord's given us the Bible. The Lord's given a fellowship one with another, a church preaching. And, and brethren, it takes all of those things combined. To maintain and to be able to just stand against the wiles of the devil. Sometimes his attacks are so overwhelming. But the idea is he wants to control you. And he doesn't care whether he controls you by throwing something in front of your face that is appealing. And you go along willingly. Or if he has to trap you. Or if he has to just completely overwhelm you. All he wants to do is just control you. And I'm, I need to finish up here. And the last thing he will do, ladies and gentlemen, is he will then abandon you. It says in 1 Timothy 3.6, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. When it's all said and done, you know as well as I do that the devil is not your friend. He's not going to stand there and be your defense lawyer. That what All he's going to do is point to you in front of God and say, Ha, 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 do you see how bad they messed up? Right? When the devil is through with you, you pretty much Is that not a good one? <laughs> I'll try to be I'll try to be as kind as I can. <laughs> what what what's the whole point? The point is this, ladies and gentlemen, we got to remember our adversary the devil. And the Bible says this, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he would love to devour any one of us, every one of us. I know how he operates. And at least by knowing that, by knowing that, I can at least be on guard. I can at least watch and, and see, if, hey, am I getting caught up in any one of those traps? And those aren't the only ones, but certainly they covers a, you know, a pretty broad spectrum. Because what the devil wants to do, ladies and gentlemen, is simply throw you under the bus. 
He'll use you as long as he can, and he'll try to take out as many people as he can while he's using you. And then when he has no use for you anymore, he'll abandon you. Right? Now, the, beauty, the beautiful part, and please don't look too much into symbology of this because it's probably backwards, but I thought the picture was really cool. The beautiful part of it is, I know who's going to win over the devil. <laughs> is that one okay? I just got to ask. No. Let's go to the final conclusion. <laughs> the admonition, ladies and gentlemen, is this. We know, we know the devil's out to get us. And, and regardless of, of, you know, all the cool little examples we could bring from nature. <laughs> the devil is going to try to get you, and he's going to try to work on you, uh, a tactic of the devil. He's going to try to appeal to you and get you to go along with it willingly. If he can't, he'll look for a way to trap you. If he can't trap you, he'll just throw so much at you that you, you become so overwhelmed. You can't, you, can't you, you think you can't deal with it all because he's ultimately out to control you. But in the end, don't ever forget, all he's going to do is step back and abandon you. <laughs> You're far better off sticking with the Lord Jesus Christ through whatever the Lord allows. Because at least I know the Lord Jesus Christ will not forsake me. Amen? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for an opportunity to be here on a Sunday morning. You're a great God. Uh, you're a holy God. And Father, I know that our adversary is awful powerful. Um far more so than I'm sure we even realize. But Lord, you're, you're even more powerful than that. And for that, we are grateful. I do ask that you would watch over, protect us. Father, help us to remember the ways that our enemy uses to attack. Help us to examine our lives and just be, just be aware and be uh, conscious of, of uh, areas that he may try to get to us. And Lord, that you would strengthen those areas. Um, help us to get our, our armor on to stand firm, uh, Lord, to resist. But ultimately, we realize we're relying on you because he is way out of our league. Uh, so, Lord, help us in that regard. We love you and just pray that you would uh, watch over, keep us safe. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.